welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast, everyone. I'm really, really excited to have with me Emma Freibergel, and she is the founder of Radical Recruit, which is a non-profit recruitment agency, which actually, to, to any re- listeners from, re- from the world of recruitment, probably seems weird. What is a non-profit recruitment agency? So you can tell, tell us that, but also tell us about the ethos of Radical Recruit and the whole purpose of what you do. Yeah, so thanks for having me on your podcast, firstly. It's a real delight to be speaking with you. Um, uh, shall I set the scene? Yeah, so my, please, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I've sort of spent about 17 years, or I have spent 17 years, in fact, um, working with people who are largely underrepresented in the labour market, either because they have a protected characteristic under the law. Yeah. I use that term very loosely. So I'm talking about the LGBTQ plus community. I'm talking about um, the BAME community. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about people with disabilities and so on. Yeah. And also um, people who have had really diverse life experiences that have either made it really tough to get onto the ladder of life, much less into the labour market. So, for example, people who perhaps were surrendered into the the care of the state when they were children were brought up in what is essentially a really broken system or people who have had sort of, you know, their their life journeys taken off path, off off track for some reason or another. So... That might be, you know, um, people who have had contact with the criminal justice system. Yeah. It could be people who have um, found themselves in sort of situations of domestic violence and abuse. Yeah. Yeah. It could be individuals who have had, you know, experience of homelessness, either whether it's rough sleeping or sofa surfing or, um, you know, being moved into an Airbnb by their local authority. And, and broadly speaking, these people are economically um inactive as a result yeah okay so um you know we i i was responsible for managing lots of sort of return to work ready for work jobs brokerage services throughout my career for these types of individuals and over the years i became acutely aware of two things firstly um the services that i managed although I did so with all the best intentions in the world Mm. were diluted down versions of what these people actually need and deserve. Right. Okay. And conversely, the services that um, they should be able to access. So I'm talking about the 35,000 odd recruitment agencies that are trading in the UK alone. Yeah. Remained largely inaccessible to diverse or, or what I call radical people because of their difference, because of their life experience. And so for that reason, um, I started what is now Radical Recruit. But okay. before before then, I was sort of, I was managing or I was a chief operating officer for an organisation called Working Chance. Mm-hmm. And um, their remit was to put women coming out of the prison system into jobs yeah. so that they could become better citizens, whatever that looks like, reintegrate into the community, uh, re-establish themselves in their family units um, mm. and carry on being parents and carers and all of the different roles that they, that, that they had sort of pre-prison. 
and I was there for just shy of two years before they sacked me. That's another story for another day. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had met some of the most uniquely vulnerable um, women mm. who um, were just so full of potential. Yeah. Yeah. And who weren't being taken seriously because of their backgrounds and because of their, their criminal convictions. So that's sort of how Radical started. And, and um, you know, I set out to, to really serve three different constituencies within our community, care leavers, ex-offenders and homeless people, because they tend to be the same people at different points in their life journey. The streets are okay. full of care leavers. The prisons are full of homeless people. Yeah. Um, you know, lots and lots of people from prison get released into homelessness. Yeah. But then they also have all this other intersecting sort of disadvantage like addiction, um, you know, domestic violence, mental ill health, as well as protected characteristics like disability, like, um, you know, I can't think of another thingy because my brain's gone. Um, but but essentially, I, I set out to support these people and prove that, like, with the right support, anyone can get a job. Yeah. Yeah, that they like and build a life that they love. See, and I've been kind of quietly following you on social media for a little while, and I love all of the stories that you do. And 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 you know they they're not stories; they're real life. So so it's other people's experiences. Um, and you you do turn it around. And one of the things I really like about what you do is you call them radical. And radical is such a brilliant word because it means kind of like um different but but not in a bad way. Um and and you know when I mean it seems a bit silly to focus on on that word, I guess, but radical recruit just sums it up brilliantly because you are doing you know such a radical job with these radicals <laughs> yeah I mean I think one of the things that we set out to do or I set out to do and, and now the team does with me is bring about radical change and that yeah. looks at sort of systemic and structural change in lots of different institutions across lots of different geographical locations for and on behalf of lots of different communities mm. who um, are radical by virtue of them being different to, you know, your bog standard Joe Blow who was born into relative privilege and doesn't actually share the experience of homelessness or criminal justice contact or domestic violence, whatever it is. So, I mean, I think um, as an organisation, what we aim to do is um, help organisations turn their rhetoric around diversity yeah. And everything that underpins it. So we talk about diversity and inclusion a lot, but actually at Radical, we believe that, you know, equity, equality, inclusion, belonging are the pillars um, for diversity. It's what enables businesses to attract yeah. diverse people and engage them, um, you know, having fair processes that refers to equality of outcome, you know, places where people feel included and they've got a seat at the table and a, and a microphone to have their voice, yeah. voices heard. And that's the belonging bit, you know. So um, our, our approach is really radical um, and, and we do a lot of work to sort of elicit step change in the way people have uh, viewed, radical yeah. people have viewed, yeah, yeah. communities treat each other and businesses approach the way they recruit yeah. attract, recruit, retain, develop uh, radical people. So kind of fits in that word, fits in 
into what we do all the, the elements of our work really yeah. nicely I I think it's a really positive word um and I hadn't man- meant to kind of get get sidetracked already um <laughs> so so sorry about that um but but yeah I mean one of the things I really like is is kind of your honesty and um in a way your brutalness and I hope you don't mind that because that that for me is really positive because I think a lot of companies talk a good talk when it comes to diversity and equity and, and all of that but you call it out and you and you're you're like well hang on a minute you know you you you're sort of talking a good thing but do you actually mean that and I think you even vet people before you start working with them don't you to make sure that they are truly receptive to what you do yeah I mean I think I think the lay of the land has changed significantly because of two really significant events that have affected the world so Mm. the first one was the murder of George Floyd yeah um, and the second was the impact of the pandemic on everyone, not least those who were closest to the breadline and, yeah. and quite radical, um, who were disproportionately and adversely impacted. And so what I think um, is happening now is that as a result of, of those two experiences, communities, people buying um, services and using services and products are looking to big business to tackle the social justice issues that number one they care about yeah. and that number yeah. two the government are not doing enough yeah. to tackle. Yeah. Um, I think that both of these events have um, given a space as individual humans and, and communities of humans to really stop and reflect on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not we're doing it with intention and purpose. Yeah. And it's also um, elicited conversations that are translating into meaningful action. Um, And in particular, the business world, I have seen a a huge shift in terms of the way we talk about diversity Mm -hmm. um, and and how that translates into um, meaningful action. So this sort of flippant approach to DNI is 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 being laid to rest, and it yeah. is more than an agenda an agenda item. Although I think there's loads of work still to be done. Yeah, yeah. But it's great for radical people because all of a sudden they're getting a look in. Yeah. Whereas for centuries and centuries and centuries they haven't. Yeah. And it's about bloody time, right? Absolutely, because there's this kind of, um, I almost want to say this army of people out there who who are willing and able to work if someone gives them a chance. And, you know, um, it. and we've got companies with shortages, so surely we can marry the, the two up. And, you know, I think it's a lot more than just saying, oh, we're an equal opportunities employer. I mean, if I see that sentence one more time in, in any job adverts, I think, I've, oh, but I don't know it just irritates me beyond belief because you think well you shouldn't even be stating that you shouldn't need to but anyway that's my my view not not necessarily yours um but but yeah I mean I I completely um agree I actually think that that's a incredibly overused um uh expression that means very little nowadays it's funny you know your reference to an army of people if you look at the homeless population in the UK, there are 320,000 people who are homeless, Gosh, not right. street homeless necessarily, yeah. but homeless, so in yeah. unstable accommodation. That is three times the size of the British Army. You're kidding. Okay. Wow. So you've got 
a a group of people, some of which are not capable of working, Course, some of yeah. which who will not want to work. Yeah. But I would imagine that's reflective of the general population. Yeah. There's a significant proportion of people in the homeless community alone who have not only skills and experience to offer employers, but who are also capable of learning and acquiring skills and bring things to the recruitment table that other candidates who haven't experienced homelessness um, simply cannot even contemplate yeah resilience grit determination and i think you know in times like these i mean where the 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 labor market is well it's a candidate-led labor market Mm. but employers with skill shortages at the macro and the micro level across so many sectors and their short-sightedness when it comes to radical people in this example it's homeless people is um I mean, it's not shocking to me anymore. It is absolutely to their detriment and such a waste of human life because actually if you invest in people from these communities and give them an opportunity to get through the door, um, you'll often find that actually they bring a huge um, you know, diversity of thought and experience that drives business success yeah. that will impact your 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 bottom line for the better, that will make you more agile in times of change, that will enable you to, connect better with and understand your stakeholders like the list goes on there's this huge body of evidence that says mm. this we know this and yet still employers not thinking about diversity yeah yeah it's sort of what we call a radical lens and it's a real shame because people do want to work yeah i don't know anyone who chooses to live in poverty it's not no. a choice no. you know no and they're the people we're talking about Exactly. And I mean, I don't know, this might be a really silly question. So just tell me if it is. But why do employers want people to have a home anyway? What business is it of theirs, whether someone has has a home or not? I mean, I guess you need an address um, of some sort. But um, I I don't know, I'm probably asking something really silly. I don't think it's a silly question. I think, um, I think, you know, our collective sort of perception of homelessness I'm speaking in very broad terms here, yeah. is um, informed by what we see in the popular media yeah. and the characters we read in books yeah. and the characters we see in films. Mm. And um, therefore we view homeless people through a lens of mistrust and we assume them to not have the skills or the motivation or the ability to secure the job in the first instance and sustain it in the second. Yeah. Um, what lots of people don't realise is that most, the, the significant majority of people are three paychecks away from being broken I, homeless. I, yeah, I saw that fact recently, yeah. Yeah. And anyone can become homeless. Yeah. Um, you know, and often... The reasons for homelessness are not drugs and alcohol, which is not what the popular media would have you think. Yeah. You know, if you look at the 320,000 people that are homeless currently, over 120,000 of them are aged under 25. Wow. They're not drug users. They're not alcoholics. They're not, um, you know, coming out of prison. Yeah. These are people without parents who can parent. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so this, I think, you know, from an employer's perspective, a complete and utter lack of 
awareness, a complete and utter lack of appetite to learn and, and become educated. Mm. Um, you know, bias kicks in, unconscious and conscious bias. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lack of corporate social responsibility. All of these things sort of culminate in, in fear, mm. I think, of the unknown, in fear of changing, um, in, you know, in fear of, you know, whatever perceived risks they have, which means that they don't consider candidates from this, this talent pool. That aside, the logistics of keeping down a job um, when you don't have a safe place to sleep, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. and you're impossible. So you know, I was working back in my last job. We had two women um, who... Oh, sorry, one woman rather who we placed in work and she became homeless. We didn't realize, and she'd been sleeping in A and E's just to keep her job. Oh, wow, gosh, um, you know. So, mm. so I, I way back when, when I started my career, I worked with a homeless guy. His name was Richard. He insisted on being called Big Dick. I didn't accommodate, <laughs> I declined his request. Um, <laughs> but he was, just, you can imagine, he was this rotund man, about five, four kind of like a he looked a bit like a gnome a garden gnome sort of you know very white beautiful white hair yeah. um you know he looks like someone's grandfather and he was <laughs> anyway back in the day Richard used to fly um big Boeing whatever planes those really yeah. big planes yeah. from Melbourne which is where I'm from to um Japan okay so really intelligent guy highly qualified mm used to earn really good money and lived the life. Now, this was before we knew a great deal about um, alcohol-related brain injury. Right, yeah. So he would he would fly when he flew, and then when he wasn't flying, he would drink. Yeah, okay. And he was what what's termed a binge drinker, and he would binge drink um, most days. Mm. And over the course of, you know, decades, he acquired this brain injury, and his injury um, was so severe at the end that his relationship broke up he was in a marriage of, of, for years and years and years and um he lost the house that he'd lived in and read his children in and he became homeless and this guy his brain injury was so severe at the end that he was sleeping on the streets um and you know he he couldn't tell you how to get from a to b a being where he was B being to the off license down the road type thing. He yeah. was so disappointed all the time. Gosh. And it's like people don't realize you can be the most privileged person. You can have all the money. You can have all the social capital. Mm. You can have the best friends. You can have, you know, the highest levels of education, educational attainment. You can, you can, you know, live a great life and then have something happen that changes everything yeah. and you find yourself in the situation of homelessness and no one will help you. No yeah. one will take you seriously. That's like the reality of, of just this one example of what, what, you know, yeah. being radical can mean and look like. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think they're the reasons why employees, you know, yeah. insist I think or don't, don't understand that, that, that people need homes to work and, and perhaps, um, won't employ people if they know they're homeless and this type of thing yeah I think we sort of forget that they are real people um you know like like um 
I, I don't know, like, and unless you see people every day, it's very easy for, for us um, to to kind of closet ourselves away and not, not see the reality of the numbers of homeless people um, and people from disadvantaged backgrounds who aren't being given a chance. So I guess maybe that's why employers don't stop to think because they're not confronted with it. But um, But I just think really why am I making an excuse for <laughs> for them I, I don't yeah. know I've got to say going back to my brutal honesty yeah I actually don't think there is an excuse for um that level of ignorance yeah yeah particularly within the business community because they do have you know anyone who's who's lucky enough to have a job nowadays has access to information yeah I um, yeah. can probably read and write yeah um yeah. probably has social capital um and isn't isolated from the world so i mean you only have to turn on the news or pick up a newspaper mm. or talk to someone in the community who does those things yeah yeah you only have to open your eyes to see a homeless person in london yeah um there is no there is no excuse for it i think we're making choices and we're not making choices for the people the right people we're making choices we're not thinking globally in terms of you know how we vote um, we're not thinking about um, people who are perhaps less privileged because that would require us to give away some of our power. Mm. Um, we're not thinking long term um, in terms of our strategies to diversify talent pipelines or really empathise with the issue. Um, and yes, it is easier just to to not look at the homeless person on the street, yeah. and it is easier to do the recruitment in the same way you have always done it. Yeah, and it's easier not to, you know, pick up a book and read it, or do a Google search, or talk to someone with lived experience because all this stuff is really confronting. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's really difficult. Um, you know, the the kind of issues that that you're dealing with every every day in in what you do. Um, and I mean. <sighs> What can people do? Tell us, tell us some positives. What can be achieved, um, both for the radical themselves, but also for the company that they then go go and work for. And you know, it can be any type of, of radical. But um, but yeah, let's let's hear hear a a, a success oh, story. Oh gosh, we've got. I mean, I know I you've got millions, I've, Emma. I've got <laughs> millions. I've got millions. So. Let me tell you about the woman who um, inspired Radical Recruit because she oh, is yes. okay. my yeah. hero. Go on. Um, and if her story doesn't inspire everyone listening on the call, then, I what mean, you're all icy-hearted bastards. So I met her in my last role about, gosh, how long ago now? Five, six years ago? Anyway, I'd been working for this sort of kind of recruitment agency for ex-offenders, female mm, ex-offenders. Mm. And in my first week, I knew nothing about recruitment. Let me, I'll preface this, this story <laughs> with, I knew nothing about recruitment, didn't know a great deal about um, women leaving prison either. And I was relatively new to the UK, so I had no idea how the third sector really worked. So I threw it into the deep end. And <laughs> one of the first jobs that I got um, tasked as part of my induction was to call Downview Prison, HMP Downview. It's a women's prison in in Surrey, in, in um, and um, have a chat with a woman called Chanel. Chanel would have been early twenties at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, just to to give some context, Chanel was one of thirteen or sixteen siblings. I can never remember. 
um, born into generational poverty. She's a black woman. Okay. Um, and her mother was an alcoholic and a drug addict and her father was a prolific um, offender and um, they belonged to two rival gangs. So politically, an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, and the like I said, the born, the kids were born into poverty. I mean, the, the neglect and the abuse that happens. Chanel's mum used to put locks on the fridge and starve her, you know. Oh, and gosh. Her, yeah. Um, you know, she'd get belted with, you know, curtain um, rods and things like this. Um, anyway, she that went on for years and years and years until she was finally taken into the care of the state. So mm. and for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's, yet another broken system in our society um and it's the best of two pretty bad options but ultimately when you're when you're surrendered into the care of the state or taken into the care of the state it's because your parents cannot be parents good parents um and chanel and her siblings were taken into the care of the state because they were severely neglected and abused anyway she had i mean foster place style foster placement after foster placement um fail and ended up on the streets um and she had to prostitute herself to get by and ended up in a in a in a gang and was made to do all sorts of things that she now regrets that were incredibly dangerous and hurtful to other people yeah so when i met chanel she had done i mean she had over 140 odd convictions i think um but the, the most recent um, custodial sentence she served was for arson which is a really serious offense she burned yeah. down a house yeah and threats to kill and um anyway so here i am green 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 in this role i know nothing about anything really yeah and i'm having a chat with chanel who's due for release in two weeks and she would be released homeless and without a job yeah with no support from family because her family were the ones that got her into this the circumstances she's in <sighs> yeah and um i had 20 minutes on the phone with her and we blagged a cv and in that time in that short amount of time i felt through the phone and i mean you can call it bullshit or not but her energy there was something about chanel i believed i was speaking to the authentic the real chanel and she turned the corner and she needed help and she wanted it she's going to grab onto any opportunity yeah so we we blah blah to cv because i've never written a cv before (laughs) And um, my colleague, whose name was also Emma, um, sent that CV to Honest Burgers and we managed to convince the head of people at the time to come into the prison mm-hmm. and meet Chanel because what we learned about Chanel on that call was actually she was this amazing baker, loved food, loved okay. to cook. Yeah, yeah. She'd also started a social enterprise in the prison called Down the Cake Hole. Okay. Now, to do anything outside of the prison regime is extraordinary. Yeah. The fact that yeah. she had... She was catering for the governor of the prison and for our events as an organisation coming in to deliver services, all sorts of things. This really wow. talented entrepreneurial person yeah, yeah. with, I mean, who had turned a corner and desperately wanted a chance. Anyway, this guy from Monas Burgers comes down and interviews Chanel and Chanel feeds him a piece of her famous carrot cake and he's like, this is the best fucking carrot cake I've ever <laughs> eaten yeah. and gave her a job on the spot. Wow, okay, amazing. Right. So... Fast forward five odd years, six odd years, and Chanel has not reoffended. Okay, brilliant. She has completely cut ties with the people in her life that were negatively influencing her and hurting her. 
she has friendships um, and has been in some loving relationships. Amazing. She started off as a kitchen assistant and trained to become a head chef. When the pandemic hit, we put her into a, um, a fundraising role for an organization that fights male suicide. Ah, okay. Yeah. And she's currently preparing to move into a bigger, better job, which she's interviewing for today, right now, as we speak. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, I mean, if you want, if you want an example of someone who is yeah. radical through and through, who with just literally a piece of carrot cake and one conversation it's with a decent employer, yeah, life completely transformed. And um, not only that, she's she's transformed the lives of. I mean, we're up to about three hundred and thirty placements now of, of people just like her because. She was my inspiration. Yeah. She's the heartbeat of radical. Yeah. And it's like, imagine being able to come from that and and create something so beautiful. Yeah. And also, you know, completely transforming herself. She's remarkable. So that that for me is is what success looks like. And that's what's possible for anyone, you know, with the right support. Wow, what an amazing success story that is. Um, And I so enjoyed talking to Emma. And we actually spoke for longer than a normal podcast episode. So I've decided to interrupt our chat now. um, And then the rest of our conversation will form the next podcast episode. So please, please join us next time. Because honestly, I loved talking to Emma. And um, it's so it's such eye opening stuff that actually, I think we all do really need to hear so um so for now thanks so much for joining us and see you next time bye thank you for listening to empowering agency workers hosted by julia kermode for more information on today's discussion please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community we hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did then we would love you to subscribe rate and review our podcast we'll be back at the same time next week